Welcome to the Pirate Monk Podcast on this Wednesday in April. Wet Wednesday. Good. <laughs> Wet Wednesday? Is it yeah. raining there? Oh, yeah. All week, bro. Build the ark. Really? Yeah. Oh, man, you lucky, lucky people. Yeah. <sighs> we got, we've got all your water. You've got all our water. <laughs> and your wine. Was, and, well, we at least get paid for the wine. Uh, we, were, we were talking with our guests before we started about the wineries around this area and how they are just sucking up all the aquifers. Mm. So there's a town where, uh, where my church is that basically starting there, the town I live in, our water's way better. And it's only 10 minutes away from all these wineries where people's wells are just drying up. Oh, and then oh, they have wow. to get permits to make their wells deeper, and it costs a bunch of. It's just, it is crazy how much when a an, an agricultural industry comes into a place as hard and fast as the wine in Paso Robles comes, what problems it causes. We need a reverse miracle, like Jesus turning wine into water. Wine into, yeah. Yes, <laughs> that's so good. Now I know how to pray. It's always good to pray specifically, and now I know. <laughs> that's right. All the winemakers, what's going on here? It's Jesus. Yeah, exactly. It's been fermenting all this time. <laughs> so how was your uh, your Easter's? How were how were your Resurrection Sunday and Passion Weeks? Was it good? We haven't talked since then. Yeah, that's yeah. true. That's right. Um, went to a Good Friday service, yeah. which was uh, very nice. Yeah. Uh, it was it was heavy, mm-hmm. and they encouraged everybody to leave in silence. Yeah, and to have about maybe two, three hundred people leave, and you can hear the the, the air ducts. Yeah, it, it's pretty powerful. Man. Yeah, it sets in, right? Yeah, it sets That's in. That's great. There is there is nothing worse than cake and ice cream in the social hall after a Good oh. Friday service. <laughs> oh, I know. That just pisses me off. I know. <laughs> it's Good Friday. Oh, and on top of it, on top of it, that night, remember it was a thunderstorm. I was in Texas. Okay, so, yeah. right. so it was a thunderstorm. So. In the middle of some of the quiet time, and uh, man, I mean, it's just the, the candles were shaking, and the uh, thunder you could hear it yeah. outside. It was, I mean, it was perfect theatrics to the evening. So wow. But uh, but then of course you know Sunday came along and uh, great celebration. Uh, there was some cake and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> after yeah. That. <laughs> yeah. But uh, good man, overall good. And last weekend was great. Uh, the weather was awesome. Went to the vineyard. Went to Arrington, man. Really. Went to Arrington Vineyard. Hung out with the family and. Right on. Picnicking it and doing a thing, man. It was good. So, cool. Yeah, hot nice. Man, ours was, was good. We went to Texas, uh, took Loop down to uh, to show off the almost three-month-old. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> man, let me so, tell you. How uh, long was that drive? Uh, only 1,600 miles round trip. With a three-month-old. With a three-month-old. Um, how was so that? It was, uh, it's supposed to be about seven and a half hours from Nashville to Texarkana, and that was about 11. Mm. And then it's supposed to be about... I think five hours from Texarkana to Huntsville, Texas, and that was about eight. Because um, you know you got to stop and feed him, and yeah. you know, and then Get the you know you sit there long out. enough, and I got to go pee again, and then we got to figure out eating and all that. Oh yeah, but man, it was it was really cool, you know. I I remember. See, it was really you just said all that and ended with it, it, it was, was really cool. 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 It, it, but it but it was. I mean, if only just because, <laughs> like, it's a story that I can. I feel like it's a story and an experience that I can tell him. Yeah, yeah. You know, that, yeah, when you were little, we took you down here. Yeah. 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 And you this know. was the time that I didn't sacrifice you to God, right. much like right. Abraham and Isaac. <laughs> right. I yeah. had the knife drawn, <laughs> right. but I did not plummet uh, it into your one baby more chest. Stop, it might have been all. But, yeah. it, but it's also, I mean, it's also maybe the most time that Brooke and I have had together, uh, like in the same place okay. since, since he was born. Oh, that's um, great. You know, so I mean, it was it was really kind of, it was a lot of driving, um, but it was it was a good trip. That's great, man. Um, so I don't know, I, I miss. It's one of the things that I miss. We go to Texas most every year for Easter, um, and man, I miss the Good Friday service mm. at my church. And I, man, we throw a party on Easter. It is uh-huh. awesome. Yeah. I mean, it for a bunch of white folk in the middle of downtown nashville yeah like we get down yeah. it is it is awesome <laughs> and my cool. aunt's church in in texas well they don't um yeah, yeah. Year, uh, well they we don't, don't. <laughs> um, they, they don't do music it's a church of christ and they don't do music and yeah. if you're oh my gosh if you're listening in huntsville texas and you go to my aunt's church i'm not complaining so much about your church i respect your faith stream um but it just doesn't do much for me yeah. but this sunday 
um, the the pastor's kid had decided to get baptized. And so there was a baptism on Easter Sunday. That's cool. And for me, the connection to seeing a father baptize his son was already heavy. Yeah. And yeah. then having that be on Easter Sunday and just yes. all that resurrection and yeah, all that. Yeah. It was it was good, man. It was it was really good. Uh, it was a, it was awesome. a good trip and it was a good Easter. That's awesome, man. So Oh, too. What's cool. happening out on the, the West Coast, man? Yeah. Do you guys are yeah, you guys we, still allowed to celebrate Easter? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> so there's a bill before the Senate. But, uh, yeah, every year, uh, my wife and I feel like if we don't prepare for Resurrection Sunday, which I, I really don't like the word Easter because of just yeah. so many of the pagan stuff that creeps into Easter actually bugs and me because this is the one holiday i really care about hmm. for religious reasons sure. christmas is like yeah, okay but this is this is all of our hope built on this day um but it's not a big deal so i i don't usually make a big deal about the easter thing but i know that if i don't prepare for it especially because there's going to be so many little technical things for me as a pastor yeah easter is just a pain in the butt and it doesn't do anything for my soul. So here's a thing that in my mind, I want to be important, but I can't make it important if I don't prepare for it. How do you prepare so, for it? So, well, each year we've kind of experimented with things. Yeah. And this year we got closer, although there was some sickness, so we didn't get to do it all. Um, but the, the general plan at this point in the porterhouse is uh, e each night we have uh, devotionals leading through the Passion Week. And hmm. right now we're... Uh, Sunday through Friday. And so we've got what? Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, six candles. And we light the six candles. And at the end of the devotion, we blow it out. So the only light we do once it gets dark is the candles. Hmm. We blow it out. So as the week progresses, the devotionals get heavier and the room gets darker until on Friday night, when you read that devotional and you blow out the candle, it's all dark. The darkness has come. Wow. And then on Saturday, this was the first year we did it the on uh, on the eve of the resurrection, we went over to our friends who are Messianic Jews with like four families from our church and we had uh, like four hour Seder, hmm. which was, we try to do the Seder every year, mm -hmm. uh, do that Passover meal that Jesus did. But I've never done it that close, which was so great. Because by the time we got home, it was kind of like, okay, it's time to go to sleep, and we're going to wake up, and we're ready. <laughs> and I have to say it was the best preparation meal. I mean, it's such a great meal anyways. It's got all the heaviness. If if you do it well, it's for the kids. You mm -hmm. know, they're running around doing their hunt for the matzahs. And, and because this family did come from a Jewish heritage. Their son actually sang the prayers. Mm. So that's wow. just awesome to that's have, you know, the, the prayers being sung. And then he would teach us the, to sing it in response. Hmm. Uh, and then Sunday morning we get to go and uh, we keep it really simple at church so it doesn't. We don't want Sunday to be some extraordinarily different day uh, than yeah. any other right. week yeah. except right. for the communal aspect so mm. we have a huge brunch in between the services so everybody comes together and eats and oh, celebrates wow. and uh other than that we just really try to keep it focused on jesus and simple that's great so man. it was just wow. it, it it was good i felt good even though we didn't get to get through all of that as neatly as i wanted this year uh i did feel like our hearts were ready to celebrate the resurrection yeah so that's awesome man so there's yeah. a lot of ideas out on the internet, you know, if uh, every year we look up just like more ideas for our family and what do we want to experiment with and yeah. love to encourage people to take that whole passion week uh, seriously and see what yeah. it does for your heart. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know. So we've got. Uh, oh, yeah, go, go ahead. Sorry. I was saying, I know that, I mean, with Advent, I mean, you know, with Christmas the, and the Advent devotional, I mean, really helps, but I've never done Lent. You know, I don't come from a faith tradition that really does right, right. Lent. Um, so that's something I need I need to look into. Because, yeah. I mean, I, I I like what you're saying. I agree with you. Yeah. I mean, Christmas doesn't matter if Easter doesn't happen. 
Exactly. exactly. You know, or, or exactly. rather, let me say it in your way. Christmas doesn't matter if Resurrection Sunday doesn't happen. Um, <laughs> Without the resurrection, we are to be pitied above all else. Right. Yeah, yeah. So that's, yeah. Um, I need to remember that in 51 weeks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, next year, in. maybe we'll bring it up and, and help. Uh, walk through it a little bit. That'd and, be good. And yeah. Just see how yeah. how people enjoy it with their families. Yeah. Hopes yeah. and conversations. Well, we're going to talk more about engaging scripture uh, today, both with our guest and then after the interview with Bill, uh, we're going to talk about it a little more. So there is a lot today about engaging your faith in practical ways here on the Pirate Monk Podcast. <laughs> Well, these diamonds on my windshield, these tears from heaven. Well, I'm pulling into town on the interstate. I got a steel train in the rain. And the wind bites my cheek through the wing. And it's these late nights and this freeway flying always makes me sing. There's a duster trying to change my tune. He's pulling up fast on the right, rolling restlessly by a 24-hour moon. A Wisconsin hiker with a cue ball head. He's wishing he's home in a Wisconsin bed, but there's 15 feet of snow in the east. All right, welcome back to the Pirate Monk Podcast. We have our special guest, Bill Delvo, who's been on the podcast two other times, three other times. Yeah, right. two other I mean, times. This is yeah. two other times. Yep, so this yep. is this is a, a reunion, uh, but but with a purpose. Yes. And I, I actually feel kind of bad for you because you're in the studio there in Brentwood, Tennessee, but you've been there all morning, correct? Yes, I have been. So this is just continuing on, you know, just, just pushing through it. So Bill just finished his book, or it's probably finished for a while, but it has uh, been out since March, right? That's correct. Okay. Book called Divided, and today he was working on the audio version, which what do people not understand about making an audio book? Well, it's the first time for me, so the the thing that really struck me, it's exhausting to get up and, you know, it's like I have to read this perfectly even though you know you can go back in and edit you just feel like you're on stage even though there's nobody in front of you so i was really surprised at how tired i was just doing a chapter yeah Yeah, it i i have done an audio book and i would agree that is crazy and performing you're performing the book you're not just reading yeah yeah, which is a is a strange thing when i've done voiceover work and the producer's like no i want a little more of this like really (laughs) that's that's just weird okay let's do it again (laughs) i do this (laughs) yeah make it sound like you're eating pancakes okay i don't know how to put that into a vocal kind of thing chewing marshmallows i want the chewy marshmallows that's right (laughs) so this book divided how excited are you that it is out there? Because this seemed like stuff that was very personal from way back in your life to you. Yeah. Uh, you know, it is. It's uh, this is the, it's a story of my life. It's the story of the division between my head and my heart and just how it split me in two. But as I started telling my story to many people, I find this is everybody's story. Mm. Yeah. It's everybody's story. Nobody's exempt from this. So when did you really realize that, oh, wow, there is this division and it is uh, hugely important in my life that I figure out how to bridge this gap. Yeah, that the crisis point came in my mid thirties. I always tell people I had my midlife crisis early, which I guess is good. That's what you hope. But that's what I hope. I know. I hope I know. I have it. I hope that was it. But in my mid thirties, I was a minister, and I had tremendous amount of seminary education, which was wonderful. I had all this Bible knowledge that I downloaded. I'd read hundreds of pages of theological textbooks. I mean, I had all this knowledge, and it, in my mid-30s, my life literally fell apart hmm. through a, a failed church plant, a marriage that was on, a rock, on the rocks, and then through having a daughter born with some uh, physical issues that needed surgeries. And I literally went into a tailspin of depression that was so deep, I didn't know if I was going to come out of it. Hmm. So, uh, And I tell people there were even moments, fleeting moments of suicide. I, I literally fell apart. And the thing that was so crushing was I knew all of these truths, and somehow it not only didn't save me from this, it made it worse. Because here, all these truths were supposed to help, but it wasn't helping me. It was the absolute abyss. It's even now, for me, difficult to, to describe 
how dark my life became and what what a pit I'd fallen into. And it was like, I'm either going to die or I've got to find a way out of this. (laughs) I find when people uh, discover themselves in that place, there's a lot of proof texting and claiming scriptures like, okay, I'm praying in Jesus' name, so he has to answer me in the way that I'm praying. And then it doesn't happen. And then it starts to the lie of Satan of God is not good and he's withholding from you starts to come in from the bottom up. Yeah, yeah. it, it was um, nothing I believed fit with anything that I felt. And I realized that um, sort of more proof texting wasn't going to work. That, that, so something, I, there either something was really wrong with God or something was really wrong with me. Yeah. And I had to make that decision because if there's something that was really wrong with God, I was going to become bitter and angry and cynical. And and I chose the latter because it was just a leap of faith. There's mm. something inside of me wrong that I don't really see right now. And as I say to people, it was really all of this really happened. It was sort of God's severe mercy that I was allowed to walk through this because in making that decision, a door opened for me to walk through where I began to see this divide. And it's like, I've got to figure out a way to close it. And that was 23 years ago. And it has been an incredible journey of closing this divide between my head and my heart. Unbelievable. Now, before we get to how that process transpired, there is a, uh, a voice in my head that is always the the Pharisees retort to which I would say, wait, you're saying more proof texting was not the answer, i.e. finding the right Bible verse wasn't the answer, i.e. the Bible is not going to be the answer to your problem. What would you say to that? That's a great, it wasn't, and this is the irony, Um, the divide in me was so deep that reading the Bible was part of the problem. In other words, it wasn't anything wrong with the Bible. It was the actual way in which I interacted with it reflected the divide rather than healed it. And when I realized that, which is later in the journey, that that really opened me up to consider what I was really doing. Give us some examples of how you were reading the Bible wrong and it was making it worse. Um, I guess the best way for me to enter into that would be to, to say how... I did it, and then a little bit about how I do it now, and so you can see the contrast. But the way I did it was uh, when I would prepare sermons, mm-hmm. uh, I would spend hours working on the, the text of Scripture and pulling out the principles and the ideas, and then I would add illustrations and applications, and it's like I had this thing, like I am determined yeah. to get the Bible into my hearers. And that's what I wanted to do as a minister. And I always had this draw to the Bible. Ever since I was uh, um, 12 or 13, I can remember just being interested in the Bible, even before I came to Christ. So I've always had this interest. And so I just took what I felt was the way you do it, which is you just learn the Bible you best you can, and then you communicate those principles and give a few application points. But inside, I knew that I could speak about you know, the idea of loving God, but the feeling of actually loving him, I knew was something that I didn't really understand or experience. And I, I could say that I loved people, but the idea uh, uh, of it was all that I knew. Actually walking with people or actually feeling connected with people, I, it was just a blank for me. So I could get away with that as a minister. In other words, there was a certain amount of distance I could separate myself up there on the podium speaking to people. I didn't have to sort of, um, uh, you know, enter into this problem. Right. But the you Bible... Didn't have, it didn't confront you. It didn't, yeah, it, I stage. could keep it. But but I had this one picture when I, after, when I came to this point where I realized my life's falling apart, I still substitute, you know, I went to churches and I would fill the pulpit. And I had this one image, and this is the last uh, piece of this part of it. I had this one image that appeared to me one time I was speaking and I felt so distant from them that all of a sudden I realized I had this image came to me of having this gauze, kind of like gauze you put on a wound, mm-hmm. but it was wound around me multiple times. 
so that I was encased with it, almost like a cocoon. Mm -hmm. And there was this little tiny hole, and out of it, this sort of voice was coming. And this voice was this minister speaking all of these biblical truths. They were true, but who I was as a man and how I presented myself was inside of all this gauze I'd wrapped around myself. And I was totally, those people actually actually out there in the congregation, they had no idea who I was. And I didn't even know who I was. And somehow I was sort of trapped in this cocoon that was now suffocating me. And I was actually sort of reading the Bible out of this cocoon. I had sort of fenced myself and masked myself for so many years that I actually couldn't even approach the text of Scripture in a way that would really touch me. I'd actually shielded myself from the Bible with all of this gauze. That was the divide. I couldn't even see that I was blind to it. And of course, as you, as we grow uh, in Christ, I think one of the things that happens to us is we realize how many blind spots we have. That was my mm-hmm. consuming blind spot. So I, it's like, I have to learn to read the Bible in a different way, which means I gotta take off the mask. It was absolutely revelatory to me. So were you so desperate that it wasn't nearly as terrifying? Because, I mean, taking off the mask is usually terrifying unless it, you're so desperate you know you got to get that thing well, off. Well, it's not only usually terrifying, it's always—I think for, for men anyway, it's always terrifying. There's always this sense of, if I take this thing off, I'm done. And the answer is no. If you take this thing off, life's just going to start beginning for you. So for me, it was that sense of— I, I can't go back to what I was. I have to move forward no matter how terrifying it, it feels. And uh, that's what began the process of sort of unstripping in front of um, you know, uh, friends, beginning to tell my story, beginning to access and surface all these things, and beginning to pull up all those deep longings of my heart that are the places where I can feel connected to God and where Scripture can begin to really speak to me. But if they're all masked and covered up and buried, there's a wall there. So how do you read it now versus how you used yeah. to study it then? You know, um, what, I, what I do now is often, um, and this is what I teach men to do when we talk about what does it mean to actually interact with the Bible. The Bible is God's Word to us, but the Lord doesn't want us to connect ultimately to the Bible. He wants us to connect to Him. The Scripture is like our main conduit. It's like a more certain conduit, but it's a conduit. It's not the end. And that was my, to actually make it a conduit and to open myself up to the presence of the living God. That's such a game changer. And the only way you can open up your, that, uh, yourself to that presence is through the heart. In other words, God doesn't want to live in our minds. I mean, that's clear throughout the scriptures. The heart's the center. And if that's all masked and buried, he can't possibly enter into it in such a way that we actually feel that connection. So that that was the game changer for me, opening my heart. And so now when I read it, I read it much more at the longings of my heart out there with whatever sadness or joy, with whatever confusion or um, sense of exhilaration I have in the moment. Those are are sort of out there, and I read Scripture with that in mind. It's a completely different feel for me. So how did but that... Like, go ahead. Go, go ahead. No, go ahead, Newton. How did, how did that process... Because, I mean, I imagine that you are not alone in that. Yeah. Reading the Bible with your head and it not getting into your heart and not reading it through the filter of your heart or, yeah. or approaching it that way. If, if somebody's hearing you say that and they think, oh, yes, that, I need that. I want to do that. Right. How do they do that? Yeah. Well, I was just with the men's group this morning, so I'll tell you what we did. This is probably real simple. And this is what I, uh, with this men's group, we sort of know each other's stories. And what we do is I just give them a little uh, sort of a, I call it a trail guide. And basically there's a, a script, just a couple of scriptures of preparing your heart and being quiet before the Lord. A couple of journal questions about a specific topic. And this one was about a battle, just, you know, whatever battle or whatever struggle we're going on in our lives. And then there was a little scripture uh, that I had them write down. And I think writing the text of scripture is really important. It slows our mind down. So write the text of scripture and just begin to journal about it. And it's all that sort of pulling up the deep things in our heart. 
And then after that, I just, I give him a question. I just say, ask the Lord and listen. I mean, this to me is the most powerful thing. I really feel like God wants to interact with each of us personally. I call it personal coaching. And when we open up the scriptures, not to end it there, but as a conduit into God's personal coaching, it is, it, it's just like electricity. I mean, he may actually want to say things to us in these moments of quiet that are revelatory, that are game changers, that open us things, open things to us that we couldn't before. And it starts to feel like you're walking with a father, not just reading a book. This is uh, it's a long journey. I think of Paul, and you quoted it in the book in Philippians. This is a letter he wrote later in life when he finally can list all the religious stuff and then say, I consider all of that a loss compared to the surpassing greatness right, of right. knowing Christ Jesus, for whose sake I've lost all things. And there's there's a loss. You have to lose something to, to lose. find that. That's exactly right. And so my, my journey out was losing all these things. I had to lose my religious mask, my ministerial mask. I had to lose I had to lose a lot to get there. But I look back on it now and I go, what was all that? Now, what's yeah. interesting in the translation, the translators have always struggled with that word because I count all things as garbage. Right. Or rubbish. I count all things rubbish. Yeah. But the actual word's human excrement. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's it's the it's the one cuss word in scripture. It is. I know. So you th- I mean, Paul's just trying to just sort of shock us awake. He's going. It it really is all that stuff that we think is so valuable. It's not. This yeah. is the value, and uh, and it really does. It's it's to to feel his nearness, uh, and his uh, and his voice. It's it's what we all long for. So back to Newton's question, what is step one for a person who senses they, they have this feeling that there is more? Yes. But they've only been handed a package in right. church where the Bible is the answer, even though they'll give lip service to Jesus is the answer. It always goes back to this certain way that doesn't seem to get to that heart level of, right. I just want to know Christ right. and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings. Right. So what's step one to start to till up the ground? Yeah. Um, you know, that here's part of the irony of this. Um, the irony of this is there's no formula here. There are many entrance ways into this, depending on where a person is and what's going on. So a lot of it for me would be just to feel out, you know, where, you know, where's your pinch point? What are you wrestling with with here? But I think for everyone, this is what I do with uh, some young men I still teach at a, at a Christian school here in the area. And I take them out in, into the park, and um, I just give them a couple of a scripture to look up. And I just, I just go, just ask God. Just, just ask him um, what's on your heart, and just be quiet and listen. And I think for, for many of us, it's simply, what is it like to spend five minutes of silence? And try and listen. And you think, well, what's the revelation in that? What? Why would that be step one? And I go, just try it. That may, for many of us, that's like a huge step in, just to tur- try and turn off the internal clutter mm-hmm. and just listen. Mm-hmm. I was talking to uh, a woman a couple weeks ago who was raised in a Christian school and had had a lot of religious pressures. And so when things were going bad spiritually or hard, she thought, I need to do more devotionals. Right. I need to read more. Right. I need to get through the Bible in a year. And uh, I just, first we talked about the fact that throughout history, that wasn't even possible. So that can't be the answer. People weren't literate, nor did they have a Bible or a library of devotional material in their house. Right. So if that's God's answer to... <laughs> drawing close to him, yeah. then everybody was screwed for thousands <laughs> yeah, of years. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so it doesn't take nearly as much as we think it does. Yeah. And then we look in Scripture, and the, the promises revolve most often around meditation, yeah. not education, not verse mm-hmm. memory, though verse mm-hmm. memorizing can be a form of meditation, but it can also just be a legalistic pursuit. Absolutely. So we started just writing a verse down about God, her Abba, 
Right. And every day, or, or a section, it was like 10 verses. Sure. And every day it was just read this over and consider who is God to me? Who am I to God? Right. How is he describing the world around me? And how does he call me to live in it to find kingdom life? Right. And it, when we just talked uh, yesterday, she said it wasn't until about day three and four that it started to come through who is God. Right. And then she started really enjoying it. But like you said, if you're in that religious box, you'll never slow down long yeah. enough to meditate on anything. I know. Mm-hmm. I know. You're, you're too busy, you know, going to, go, you know, on the hamster wheel, you know, jumping through the hoops. And that's why I find that sense of just trying to be quiet and uh, it's for some people it's just that's a huge doorway even the struggle to be quiet yeah exactly and not to get discouraged if it doesn't work the first day I was quiet for five minutes all I felt was (laughs) anxious and angry (laughs) but that's what most people feel they feel like something's supposed to happen or I'm not this is not right or I'm not doing this right and the answer is I feel like God's trying to get our attention all the time and we have our ears so plugged with so many things. Well, it's it's also called the practice of meditation, like it's called right. the practice of yoga. You know, it doesn't mean that you're going to do it right every time, that you're going to get it. No. It's not called the perfection of right. meditation. Right, It's the practice of meditation. And, and here's the deal. we got to remember, this is not a, this is, we're not performing for, for to do something or for someone. We're simply opening a door and saying, I'm here. Do you have creating space? You're creating Creating space. You're creating space. And um, so that he doesn't have to knock us over the head. And you know what? You start to get it's like God is God. You have to let him approach you how he how he wants to. And that can be terrifying at first. Mm -hmm. But I think ultimately it's not only comforting, it's so life giving. I think there are in those practical things for me, I've been trying to leave my cell phone at home if i know i've got like three meetings and there's going to be little 15 minute spots in between i don't want my cell phone because then i'll check things so i just leave it at home because i know during the meetings i can't answer it anyways so why does it need to be sitting on the table but then when i have those 15 minutes i've been trying to think about my body like how do i feel right now yes and i've found oh man my shoulders like i'm (laughs) sitting with my shoulders up around my ears and and yeah, that brings yeah. in the, okay, just breathe and relax. But, uh, and that sounds weird to people. Start being aware of your body. Start now, being aware of your breath. It all sounds very new agey, but it's well, not. It's, you know, and if once we, and this is what happens in the Psalms, all throughout the Psalms, and so many of them are, are lament Psalms, which means they start with a complaint. and words, they are very attentive to their own struggle. Mm-hmm. And then in their attentiveness to their own struggle, all of a sudden they become aware of God's attentiveness to them. But you can't go there until you stop and you put words to what is going on inside of me, even if it's a complaint or even if it's a joy. I mean, the Psalms are, that's our book of prayer. This is how we're supposed to do it. Mm -hmm. It's not a formula. You start where you are and that's where you enter. Start where you are. How long, O oh Lord, will you forget me forever? To I will trust in your unfailing love in only 13 verses. There you go. Yeah, how does he get there? And the answer is he's attentive to himself, and all of a sudden he's attentive to God. He's attentive to God's attentiveness to him, and it changes everything. It really does. Well, how can people uh, get in touch with you uh, to ask any questions they might have or get a hold of this book, Divided? Sure. Divided when the head and heart don't agree. Uh, it's available online you know, anywhere through all sort of the online uh, bookstores you, you get. Uh, it's available in bookstores, too. Um, the ministry website is landmarkjourneyministries.com. And you can um, there's a contact place for me if you want to contact me or have questions for me. I'd, I'd love to answer them. I'm a teacher, so I love feedback. So uh, yeah. I welcome questions. They're not a bother to me at all. Yeah, and boy, when you get put a new book out, you're just dying to hear somebody say, right. "This is what uh, this is what it meant to me." Yeah, so yeah. Don't just be afraid talk back to contact. To me. Yeah, yeah. So landmark ministries, landmark journey ministries, landmark journey ministries. That's it. Yes. Yep, that's it. Very good. 
Bill, thank you for sharing this today. I'm I'm amped up. I love talking about this, so I'm ready for yeah. my for my day. And it's two hours. I got two hours more of my day than <laughs> you guys right, do. So <laughs> yeah, yes. you're ready to go. Aaron, it's been great. Thanks so much for the time. Really appreciate it. All right. It. Well, I look forward to talking to you again soon since, you know, we're just going to keep doing a keep regular Keep the conversation cycle. going. Yeah, so, so write another book. Quick, That's right. Quick. <laughs> I'll get it out quick this time. Yeah. All right. Very good, Bill. Uh, we will talk to you later. And contact him. Grab the book. Check it out. Have these thoughts because they are vital to you uh, connecting with your daddy who so wants to connect with you. We'll be right back on the Pirate Monk Podcast. Take these shoes, click clacking down some dead end street. Take these shoes. Take this shirt Polyester white trash made in nowhere Take this shirt And make it clean Clean Take this soul Stranded in some skin and bones Take this soul And make it safe back on the pirate monk podcast what a what a conversation with bill that was uh it's something that i've been thinking about that divide between the head and the heart Mm -hmm. that that disconnect between what i know i believe and what i feel like i can hang on to right um that was yeah that was good When he was was talking, it reminded me of a conversation that I think I've talked about on here before with a high schooler at a Christian school who was frustrated that all his friends knew all the right answers in Bible class, but their lives didn't, it didn't seem to matter. Mm -hmm. It was very similar kind of theme. And my wife and I had just been reading Frankenstein together because it's such an amazing book uh, for your heart. If you've only ever seen the movies of Frankenstein, you don't have any idea what Frankenstein is really about. So you should read the book, Frankenstein. Anyways, when I'm talking to this kid, it it struck me that like Victor Frankenstein, he had to get these raw materials to lay out. But they were all dead. The monster was dead, even though the parts were usable. They weren't. There wasn't a problem with the parts, but they weren't enlivened yet. They, they weren't activated. They weren't animated. And as the kid was talking, I was thinking, that's exactly like us as we put these the raw material of Scripture on the table. It's not a problem with Scripture. It is true. It's not a waste of time to know it or to study it. However, the words alone are not alive because the living word is Jesus. He's yeah. the word. So until the Holy Spirit animates the stuff that we've been putting in our head, it's dead. Yeah. And that's what confuses and disappoints us many times because mm-hmm. we read a book and say, this is so true and this will change everything because now I read this true thing. Right. No, not until the Holy Spirit does something with that will it change your life. Will you be transformed? Mm. It strikes me that as, as true a statement as that is, how little time we spend talking about the Holy Spirit uh, yeah. in, in the average church. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah, or, or we, or we talk about the Holy Spirit in almost carnival ways, like right. it goes to those two extremes: ignore right. it altogether, or Sunday uh, night TV. Yeah, Saturday night, Saturday night TV. You know, running up and down and, the aisles. And, and I'll be the first to admit, I've I found everybody connects with one person of the Holy Spirit or of the Trinity more than others. Like hmm. for me, it's God the Father, absolutely. 
But I know tons of people that whether it's because of their past with their fathers or whatever, they're like, oh, no, I don't, I'm scared of God the Father. I, I'm distant, but I really connect with Jesus or I really connect with the Spirit, which is really interesting. But for me, of the three persons of the Trinity, I, I connect with or understand the Holy Spirit the least. Hmm. Uh, the Holy Spirit's a wild man. He shows up in ways that are unexpected. It's just, it's a mystery to me. So yeah. that's why the only way I can engage is to simply pray for the Holy Spirit to do something with the raw material. I, mm-hmm. I can only ask and wait. Yeah. Mm. And that's, I think that's, for me, that's that's a hard, the waiting to, you know, thank you, Tom Petty. The the waiting <laughs> is the hardest part, yeah. Yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, I know I was talking with... Um, some guys in my my group on monday and uh and it's just been it's been hard life is so busy for me right now and there's so much going on that all the noise has clouded out totally covered up every like everything else mm-hmm. and that's bad for me when i feel disconnected from uh other men when i feel disconnected from my wife and mo- most importantly when i feel disconnected from god and there's this fog just this fog of activity surrounding me mm-hmm. and so i told those guys on Monday that I'd been, you know, trying some, some meditation for a few weeks, about a month back or for, for about a week, a month back. And it felt like the most meaningful prayer that I've had in months and months and months. Mm-hmm. And I, I committed to them. I'm going to do this for seven days. I'm on, I'm, and I'm in the middle of this week of meditating about 15 minutes for seven days because I need that connection and just stopping and shutting up mm-hmm. And even just meditating on the word God mm-hmm. and just letting that word float in my attention for 15 minutes. So so what is so what does meditation look like for you? I mean, that was one example. Yeah. Um, so I've been using, um, if you guys remember, we interviewed Science Mike, I guess that was this summer. Yeah. In the Ponderosa days. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, he does a podcast with Michael Gunger. Uh, called the liturgists and they record uh, it's on Spotify they record these liturgies mm-hmm. and at the end of I think there are four or five of them and at the end of the of each of the liturgies there's a meditation there's an now, af- now for those that were raised Baptist explain what at the end of a liturgy uh, even mm-hmm. means uh, I'm figuring that out myself because I was raised Church of Christ <laughs> um uh, as I understand it, liturgy is work of the people, and it's the form that you follow in a worship. Uh-huh. Is that is that about right, Aaron? It's, yeah, yeah, and it's also a a scheduled. It's a, it's a calendar. Okay, yeah, so, there's a liturgical yes, it's, it's calendar. Whole, yeah, it it is a whole process. So yeah, okay. Um, and so there are there's an apoph- apathetic apophatic meditation that I I have not done very frequently, and I don't entirely understand, but it's engaging. Um, and it involves saying things and replacing things, uh, you know, throughout the meditation. And then what has worked best for me is just, it's called centering prayer. And mostly it's just doing my best to empty my mind or meditate on a specific thought and center my thought and my prayer and my heart on that. Mm. And it's, it's wonderful. And it's, it's 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 calming it's quieting mm-hmm. and last night when i finished it was i think it was probably about 12 30 at night i'm not good at morning anything um so i did it last night i do it before i go to bed and last night i finished the meditation and it was just a heaviness that kind of dropped off of me and it was like palpable like i could mm-hmm. feel the weight mm-hmm. of that that time and effort of meditation for 15 minutes i could feel that come off of me so we have to we have to say at this point for all the all the folks that were raised like me or you, um, you've just used a bunch of scary words. I mean, I <laughs> right. mean the word meditation, though it wasn't uh, banned from the church I grew up in, it was always suspect because right. meditation automatically meant like Eastern New transcendental age. stuff, yeah. which is a really emptying yourself the goal is to be empty and to transcend yeah 
scripture has so much to say as we mentioned earlier about meditation god is is <laughs> very pro meditation right but be still is, and know that i am god right yeah and, and go to psalm one and, and look at what happens to the man who meditates day and night on the law of the right. lord so this meditation is hey i need to uh, and there's two ways to understand it. One is the word rumination, which is mm. what cows do. It's chewing the cud. It's swallowing it down. It's throwing it back up in your mouth, chewing it some more, swallowing it. And they do this until they get all the nutrients out of what they ate. They don't want to just swallow it once. There's too much left. Right. So meditation is just that focused thinking that is bringing things back up and not being afraid to re-engage, re-engage. Yeah. And we are all expert meditators. I mean, the first response of so many people is, oh, I'm just not good at that. Baloney, you're great at it. What, <laughs> right, right. what do you think worrying is? Right, worrying right. is <laughs> negative meditation. Right. I keep focusing on the same thing until it changes how I feel. So we all know the result of meditation. Right. Right. Unfortunately, it's crap. <laughs> I feel like crap because I keep thinking about this. Right. So it is it is that focused thinking. It's settling down and being still and being with God. And then you've got words like centering prayers and, and things that have, you know, many of these uh, disciplines have come up through church history for hundreds and hundreds yeah. of years. They aren't mm-hmm. new. Right. But if you Google it, you'll find lots of people who want to explain how dangerous it is. And and that was my tradition, that the only yeah. way to engage God was through a process of study. Like, right. oh, yeah. you want to know God more? Right. Well, pick your topic, get your concordance out, and right. read all the verses on it. Right. Mm-hmm. But there is more in, in discovering God and being with God. Uh, and I think it's worth people checking it out. The book, uh, The Good and Beautiful God, is the first of three um, that is probably one of the most user-friendly spiritual disciplines books. Hmm. Um, and, it, and it just starts out with sleep as a spiritual discipline. Mm. Oh, I'm good at that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then you're in the minority because a lot of people <laughs> think it's not important to discipline your life to get the amount of sleep you need. Right. To, uh, to be able function. to function and right. engage God. So anyways, uh, you know, I totally get what you're talking about, but I also know that for many of our listeners, those are scary thoughts yeah. and words. And I, the podcast is a great way to to engage it and to hear and to realize, oh, this isn't, you know, they're not saying anything mm-hmm. that I don't already believe. Yeah. They're yeah. just and, going at a different pace. Yeah, I mean, and I think, you know, like like to your point, Aaron, we're great meditators. Mm-hmm. You know, when you when you drive home, and you don't remember all the rights and lefts and all the things that mm-hmm. you did on the way home, you zoned out, and that's meditation. Mm-hmm. And when you're running or exercising or doing something that you love, mm-hmm. and you kind of get into like in athletics, they call it the zone. Right. That's meditation. Right. And when you have a panic attack, that's meditation gone bad. Right. And when you worry, that's meditation on the wrong things. Right. So it's just directing your ability to focus on something mm-hmm. on God. Uh, you know? l- lately, I've, I've had this over the last probably six months, uh, uh, a conviction. Because, you know, I'm that guy who meditate. I can't do that. My mind races <laughs> too much. Yeah. Um, you know, it's I'm antsy. <laughs> I have to do something. Um but over the last six months, I forced myself because I had a sense of conviction where I found myself investing so much in friends and work and my own efforts and other relationships and not really investing one-on-one time with the Lord hmm. and, and just un, undivided attention. And, you know, I could say, yeah, I'll do it at noon every day. Bull crap. The day's <laughs> already going. So let me, get, <laughs> let, 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 let me get my butt up in the morning because for me... The slowest part of my day is probably probably from six to about you know eight thirty or nine o'clock. That's yeah. that's plenty of time for me, or not the maybe the whole time, but grab thirty minutes, grab an hour, grab fifteen minutes, whatever it may be. So I started doing that, sitting on my porch, regardless of how bad the weather was or whatever, I'll sit on the porch and look out over the hills and just sit. Mm-hmm. It's changed my life. Yeah, the 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 amount of things that have come into my heart my 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 ideas that are given to me the um my thought process how i 
just uh, solve problems, so to speak. You know what I mean? Just yeah. everything. It's such a clarity that I leave with and it's such a sense of peace that I get up with um, versus, you know, okay, well, I got to find time to read the Word today. I got to find time to read the Word. Let me read the Word, read the Word. And, I, okay, I got to do this. I got to talk to this pastor. I got to go do this. I mean, that's all yeah. great and it has its place. But, man, like what the fruit that I've experienced in my life, just a sense of peace, clarity, and stillness in my own my own heart just by sitting down for me it's been about 30 minutes to an hour every morning um and it's hard to i think as bill was it's hard to really explain what that's like because it's such an individual thing yeah um but man if you try it it may sound scary but trust me it's more scary to worry about something all night yeah. And meditate on like that. Yeah. You know, so <coughs> I'm gonna make it even easier for them, Mondo. Okay. And this is always where I start with me mm-hmm. and with other people. If I am feeling like I need to reconnect with God at a heart level, I will just tell myself, Okay, when I wake up in the morning, I am not allowed to get out of bed unless I really have to pee. Uh, then I can pee and get back into bed. That is important to note because when I haven't said that, I have had people try to do this while holding pee, and it doesn't work as well. Right. I'm sure. So voiding is okay. But I have uh, next to my bed uh, printed copies of different translations of the 23rd Psalm. Hmm. And I will simply sit in bed and start reading it slowly. And I will keep reading it until I hit a place that I feel like, oh, I, I need that. I need that for today. Or that's really important for me. Mm-hmm. I might not get farther than the Lord is my shepherd. And I'll just be mm-hmm. overwhelmed with that thought. Mm-hmm. And I'll just sit there and be like, what in the world? Does, how has my week been like it is when this is a fact? This is a statement of fact that... My Lord is my shepherd caring for me and guiding me. Mm-hmm. Um, or you might get to, because of that, I, I won't be in want. I won't be in need because of that. Mm-hmm. Oh, geez, I can spend the next, you know, mm-hmm. I'll just sit yeah. with whatever strikes me. And I'll just read it until something strikes me and something always will. Yep. And then I'm done. It could be five minutes. It could be 15 minutes. But then I get up. Yep. And the next day I start at verse one of the 23rd Psalm again. Yeah. I have yet to get bored with the 23rd Psalm, mm-hmm. but sometimes I'll take a break from that and go to the Lord's Prayer or something else. But for for even just a week to start your day off mm-hmm. with that, yep. just meditating on the 23rd Psalm until you feel like you know what you need to know for the day, the Holy Spirit will start to stir something in you yeah. and see what happens. Yeah, I've had to force myself to... Uh, I call it being selfish with my time with the Lord. I'm, uh-huh. I'm, I'm, I'm making this happen. Yeah. It's not if I get to it. This is built into my day, just like I build in meetings and work and other, everything else, grocery store, all that good stuff, the honeydew list, you know, right. all that. This is, for me, this is not the cookie cutter deal, for, but for Mondo, I'm selfish with this time. I have to have this because I know what it does for me in my relationship with the Lord. I know what it does for my heart and for my mind. I know what it does for my day. Yeah. It doesn't mean that the whole day is going to go awesome. Right. Right. But it definitely assists me and helps me get through the day with understanding and a sense of, of peace that yeah. I probably wouldn't well, have had if I didn't start that way. Yeah. It, it's surprising too, when you start the day off like that, how many things come up in the day that relate back to what you <laughs> yeah. started with, exactly. whether yeah. it's conversations yeah. and somebody says something like, Oh, I know the answer yeah. to that. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Man. Yeah. That's that's all I'm talking about yeah. today. Yeah. This is one thing. And I, so, I, I find that I do the end of the day because my days always kind of start at different times and in different ways. Mm-hmm. And I'm just, I'm not, there's also the aspect of me not being disciplined enough to wake up consistently every day and do it. But my day always has an end, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm always going to go to bed at some point. I mean, yeah, usually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and so I do it at the end of my day because I know that that's going to happen. Right. And mm-hmm. it's it's a way, it's, I mean, for me, it's a calming thing. And I feel like my rest is better. And when I wake up, I've done that. Yeah. You know, I've, I've yeah, it's been good. And it's not sleeping time. Like, I'm not asleep. Yeah. I sit on the edge of my bed or I sit in a, in a desk chair yeah. and, and do it. But, yeah, it doesn't matter when you do it. If lunch is your thing, do man, yeah. do lunch. And exactly. If, 
And but, it's but, when you but, wake up. But be guard. selfish with that time, though. Yeah, guard it. Guard it. Yeah, protect it. And because, I mean, back in, I was that guy, man, back in the day. I'm sure some of the guys listening were like, man, I don't, that's just strange, bro. That's just, yeah. I, I don't know about that. I mean, that's for holy people or that's for people who've been in a church a long time. Or don't you have, a, don't you have to know a lot of scripture to do that? Like, you yeah. know. I, I love the word selfish, though, because it's the reminder. It, it takes us out of the church duty world. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing this because I'm supposed to. Right. I'm not shooting on myself. Right. This isn't what I yeah. should do. Right. Um, and, and I'm not doing this because it makes God happy. Right. Uh, I'm doing this because I need it. Mm-hmm. I want it. Mm-hmm. And. And then I get to enter into that relationship that most pleases God anyways. But that's that's the byproduct. Right. And so being selfish with it is saying, this is my time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, and I want to draw closer with God. Well, we're going to have some closing thoughts in just a minute when we come back. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing you then. I can't wait to see what song Aaron comes up with <laughs> this week. I hope you have been enjoying the strange eclectic mix of music since Mondo has not been editing this program. Uh, Send in your request. As long as it's weird, I'll play it. Be right back. And welcome back after meditating on the Power <laughs> Monk podcast. Uh, guys, this has been one of our probably more deep episodes uh, than we've had in, in a long time, but very necessary, uh, I think. Yeah. yeah. I wanted to bring up something about uh, every week we invite you to write in to samsonpodcast at gmail.com or mm-hmm. grab us on Facebook. Uh, some of our recent letters, we, we don't get a lot of feedback from folks, but some of the recent ones have commented like, oh, I've thought about doing this for a long time, and and so I thought it would. Right. It is, I think this podcast, which is about community, is going out to a lot of you that don't have a lot of community, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's by where you live or you just haven't got into it yet. And it can be a pretty powerful thing for you to decide to step away from the listening role and say something back. It doesn't matter if it's a question that you want answered or just to write, hey, uh, thinking about you guys was listening, just something, because that'll start to form habits in your life of not sitting back and disengaging. So we really want to invite you. We we love to hear from from folks. Uh, You know, my assumption is always that nobody's actually listening. I just do this to hang out with my friends once a week. (laughs) Um, So gives us a reason to Skype that we wouldn't do otherwise. But we would love to hear from you. Give it a shot. If you've never yeah. sent us a note or if you haven't, we haven't heard from you for a while, tell us what's going on in your life. And uh, if you have something you don't want read, uh, make sure you make a comment on that. We'll make sure that it stays strictly confidential. Absolutely. Okay, it wasn't exactly strict as confidence, <laughs> but it worked. Uh, so, yeah, just uh, be clear with anything like that. So it's samsonpodcast at gmail.com or grab us on Facebook. If you want to start a conversation on Facebook, go ahead. If we don't like it, we'll just delete it. <laughs> so I think we're out of time yeah. for today. We are at, at right at the moment. So thanks for joining in. Yeah. Nate will be back with us next time. For Mondo, Newton, and Aaron, have a great week, and we'll see you next time on The Pirate Monk Podcast. Arg.
He loves and she loves and they love. So why can't you love and I love too? Birds love and bees love and whispering trees love and that's what we both should do.